Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Or if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is the word of the Lord from 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. That was a really long text that Aaron read, and I want to make sure that as we begin this morning, we pick up that last verse once again because... We're going to hear it several times this morning. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And I'm so excited to dig into this text this morning, much as we did last week with Titus chapter 2. As I shared last week, I felt led, as my original plan was to preach through the book of Esther for the fall, I felt led here for just a few weeks to pull that back, push that forward just a little bit, and to open up some New Testament texts to talk about what the Bible teaches us about who we are as the church. Last week we talked about the idea that we are the family of God, which is the most common illustration we find in the New Testament for the church. We are family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are children of God. That's who we are, as Scripture says. The second most common way Scripture talks about us as the church is as a body, as the body of Christ. And just like last week, today's message will be just a little bit different than the way I normally like to preach and teach. I'm not going to have points up on the screen. We're not going to dig into every single word. But much like we did with Titus 2, I, I really want us to get the big picture, the big concepts, and, and to talk about in, in some very honest but some very real ways what it means for us to be the body of Christ as the church. I mentioned last week one of the great things about the letters of the New Testament that are written to real churches in real times and places with very real people just like us. One of the wonderful things about those letters is that they remind us that no church is perfect. And the first churches weren't perfect. 
And even the most glowing letters that are written by the apostles to churches have some area where some church needs to improve or where some issue is addressed that's affecting the entire community of faith, the entire local body of Christ in that church. And, and none of them are perfect, just like none of our churches today are perfect, us included. Every church has weaknesses. Every church has shortcomings. Every church has needs. And there's no better place for us to turn to, to remind ourselves about what it looks like to be faithful in our commission as God's people, as the church, as the family of God, as the body of Christ, than to the scriptures we find in the New Testament. Last week I mentioned that it can be hard to pastor a church that has multiple generations worshiping together. But I don't want you to hear me saying that that is a weakness. No, I believe the multi-generational nature of our congregation is one of our greatest strengths. It is a wonderful thing that in this church, we have so many different ages worshiping together. In addition to so many different folks from different walks of life and different parts of the world, it's a strength that we have such diversity and that we have so many generations represented. And I know that all of us all of us in our hearts, we want to be faithful to be the church that Christ has called us to be. And I hope you would agree, we want this church to be around for a long time. We want generations in the future, if Christ does not return, we want generations in the future to be worshiping here just like we are and being faithful to their calling to serve just like we are seeking to be. And today, as we continue talking about this idea of life together, what it means to be the church, we are the body of Christ, and each and every one of us is a part of it. Paul begins in this section of 1 Corinthians 12 in verse 12 by talking about that example of, of us being a body like he does in, in a couple of other places. And he says in verse 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, we are the body of Christ, and each and every one of us is a part of it. A couple of weeks ago, I spent a few days in meetings in the city of Nashville. Now, I'm just going to be honest. A lot of people love Nashville. That's not my scene, okay? In fact, Nashville, I, I, I've heard, is the number one destination for bachelorette parties. So, of course, it's not my scene. That's not... Not my favorite city to be in, though there is some really great food there. I'll, I'll give it that. But it was my first time ever, even though I have been a part of a Southern Baptist church since I was 13 years old, it was my first time ever to visit the mothership. I've never been to the Baptist headquarters in Nashville until a couple of weeks ago. And I was sitting through a couple of days of meetings, and you couldn't help but notice wherever you are in that building that there is tons of construction that's going on all around it. In fact, something like 17 acres of downtown Nashville are all being transformed into this new huge community space. And right across the street from the Baptist building where the old Lifeway building used to be, there is a huge structure that's going up. So while we're sitting in these meetings, you couldn't help but notice looking out the windows, all kinds of things were being hauled up and put into place in that building. In fact, it was very distracting and in some of the most boring parts of the meetings, I was thankful for the distraction because I, I loved watching what is this thing that they are bringing up. And it was amazing to see these pieces and these components and, and the people that would receive it and, and put it into place and fasten it into place. 
And I began thinking again in the more boring parts of some of those meetings how incredible it is that a structure like that can be put into place. And the millions of decisions, both big and small, that have to be made in the process. And the millions of components and integral parts that are a part of the building coming together. And the thousands of hands that are being put to work as this edifice comes into existence. Each decision, each component, and each action in building a building like that is necessary. And there is no possible way, there is no possible way that any single person could accomplish that feat alone. In the same way, as we think about the church as the body of Christ, there are lots of different components and pieces and hands that are doing the work. And there is no possible way that we as a church could accomplish what God has called us to do alone. Not one of us can do this by ourselves. There is no way that I or you or anyone can accomplish all that God has purposed for this wonderful church by ourselves. But together, and when we recognize and remember that we are in this thing together and everybody has a part to play, all of those pieces, all of those components, all of those hands come together and God can do some incredible things, building up something that we might not have ever even thought possible, but certainly would not have been possible if we tried to go it alone. Actually, the New Testament talks about us as a building. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says that we, like living stones, we are being built into a spiritual house, a house that the Lord himself inhabits through his powerful spirit. As a spiritual house, we are being built into a holy priesthood so that we might offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Like living stones, God has put us together and he is building us up so that we might be the kind of spiritual house that brings glory to his name, not to our name, not to the name of South Tulsa Baptist Church, but to the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as that kind of spiritual house, bringing glory to his name as living stones, God is building us up. And through passages like this one in 1 Corinthians 12, he's reminding us that we also have a responsibility to build each other up in the process. God is building us up. We are building each other up. We are the body of Christ, united together by one spirit, by one baptism we are one body and i love how paul says and imagine this in the early church where there had been so much historic conflict and divisions between these peoples whether jew or gentile we are one body whether slave or free we are one body he says says elsewhere whether male or female we are all one in christ jesus and we were all given the one spirit to drink we are the body of Christ. Each one of us is a part of it. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but made up of many. And as God is building us up into this spiritual house for the glory of his name, he's also blessed us here at South Tulsa Baptist Church with what I believe is a really solid leadership structure. Now, this may not be the most exciting part of the message today okay where i'm going to talk for just a minute about our church governance some of you might wish that there was construction going on outside the window and you could see some some things being hauled up you could see the porta potty going up to the roof 
so you could you could all laugh about that with with each other but give me about 90 seconds and let me just remind especially those of you who may be new around here or who have not participated in some of our leadership areas what what our church leadership structure looks like because we have multiple layers of leadership at South Tulsa Baptist Church several points of checks and balance of that leadership and a leadership structure itself that allows for what I believe to be very wide representation from among the members of our church family so we have paid staff members for example who all have a reporting relationship to someone who is at a supervisory level all the way to those who who I supervise as pastor so every one of our ministers and every one of our paid staff has somebody who they report to and I as pastor also have that reporting relationship to the personnel committee I report directly to the personnel committee the personnel committee just like every other major committee in our church reports to the advisory council and our church's advisory council truly is a wonderful thing I am so thankful that we have this layer of leadership and accountability and and may I say protection for our church family the way that our structure is put together the advisory council is made up of our staff our deacons our committee chairs and our church officers it's around 60 people and usually in the room you have almost equal representation men and women and of different age groups in our church family the advisory council is a wonderful step and stage in our structure of leadership but they are not the final human voting authority in this church you are the congregation itself is the final step when anything is voted on that has major impact in the life of the church it will go through the advisory council but then it also will go to the church body and you'll hear us talk about this every quarter we have a quarterly conference business meeting and everyone who is a member of the church is invited to participate now to be honest not very many people come and participate in our quarterly conference but it would be a great time for you to come and to be personally involved in in voting on the things that are happening in the life of our church sometimes we also will have a special called business meeting because there's something specific we need to deal with and the congregation you are the ones who vote in those situations now all that being said my my discussion on church governance is over now okay but all that being said it is really important before we move on to make clear that there is only one head of this body of our church and that is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ is the head of the body, the head of the church. Colossians 1.18 and Ephesians 4.15 both say that Jesus Christ is the head of the body, which means we all answer to him. God has put this body together in the way that he planned, and the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And, and moving into verse 15, I love this little section where Paul says things like, now if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, the foot would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Same thing for the ear or for the eye. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing even be? If, in fact, if, 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 as God has placed the, all the parts in the body as he wants every one of them, he placed them where he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body even be? As it is, there are many parts, but there is only one body. 
there are a couple of things that come out of this this section and they they come to me specifically out of this idea of the church as a body that i think are really important to say out loud before we move on and one reason i i believe that the bible reminds us that we are a body is is not only that each part of the body matters but if we were ever to lose any single part of the body it should be painful just like in our physical body if we were to lose a limb we would notice it would hurt if we were to 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 lose a vital organ if we were to 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 face some loss of some function in our physical body it it would be painful and and in the same way if we if we have a brother or sister of christ that that is is leaving or that we're losing or or we're thinking about being that person it should be hard it should be painful it should hurt losing a brother or sister from the family should be like losing a limb or losing an organ it should not be so easy to leave the body it should not be so easy to quit and it should hurt those of us who remain when we lose that person and you've heard me say before from the perspective of pastor and 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 any one of our ministers would agree it hurts us when we lose anyone for any reason because it should it should be that way we are the body of christ every single one of you is a part of it and if we lose a limb or we lose an organ or we lose an eye or an ear it hurts and it is painful it should be that way because we are a body but another thing that certainly comes out in first corinthians 12 is how the body functions best when it functions in unity and when it functions together as a unit you you certainly have noticed that that birds fly in formation and oftentimes they fly in the shape of a v and and over centuries now we've begun to learn that god created birds to fly that way because it's best for them it's best for the group but also for the individuals it allows them to use less energy it allows them to be safer it allows them to be more secure and so in the same way when you see fighter jets flying through the sky they're they're just mimicking when they're flying in formation what they know that god has created and organized to to be best for those objects that fly that they would fly in formation and they would share energy together and that they would be safer and secure because they fly together there's some research that's being done that's really fascinating that this sort of flying formation might also be possible with passenger jets that passenger jets could actually fly in formation now to be clear the next time you fly on american airlines or southwest airlines you're not going to look out your window and see another plane right on your wingtip okay in fact if that happens it probably means something's wrong that's that's not what they're going to be able to accomplish but through this process that's called wake energy retrieval the, the airlines are beginning to research can planes fly safely in formation with a couple of miles distance behind them and be able to take advantage of this same idea that together they could share their energy and even lower fuel costs up to 10 percent and we know that airlines will do anything they can right to cut costs so they're researching this idea it's very dangerous when planes are taking off for for a plane to be too close to the preceding aircraft the the wake could produce a vortex that would cause that plane to flip upside down and to crash if it happens near takeoff but as they get up in the sky and as they really begin a long-haul journey together there is this thought this belief that they too could fly in formation 
and they could share each other's energy and they could they could fly with that that sort of of smooth ingenuity and together even passenger jets could fly and could accomplish something better than they've done in the past we might say it this way as the body of christ we are best when we fly together south tulsa baptist church members always fly together some of you are hearing the mighty ducks in your head as i said that that was intentional south tulsa always flies together because we are at our best when we are strong as a group just as we read in titus chapter 2 last week we are the family of god and just like our personal families are made up of people of all different kinds so we as the family of god are made up of all different kinds and we as the body of christ are made up of all kinds of different parts but together we are one body we are the children of god as we read last week that is who we are and just as jesus commanded us in in john 13 which we also read last week by this everyone will know that you are my family that you are my disciples that you are my body if you love one another as i have loved you this is who jesus christ our lord the head of our church has called us to be i mentioned also that this series life together i stole that phrase from dietrich bonhoeffer this wonderful book that was written decades ago by by a follower of christ who certainly knew what it was like to endure hardship and persecution and division that can come into the church body and some of you picked up this book as i mentioned it last week i said this would be great to read along for the next three weeks and you've told me you might not be able to finish it in three weeks so i warned you it's a short book but it is not a fast read it is dense and it is deep and this book has a lot of incredible things to say about these passages that we're talking about but i want to read another little section of of life together this morning as we we remember this idea that that as it is there are many parts but there is one body Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes God did not make that other person as I would have made him he did not give him to me as a brother for me to dominate and to control but in order that I might find above him the creator God does not will that I should fashion another person according to the image that seems good to me that is in my own image but rather God has created my brother my sister in his own image and in his very freedom from me God made that person in his image so that I might never even understand perfectly how God's image can appear in others God creates every person in the likeness of his son who was crucified for us and after all even that image looked strange and ungodly to me before i grasped it but now bonhoeffer says i see that my brother or sister in christ has not been made in my image or in the image that i would fashion but my brother or sister in christ like every person including my neighbor has been made in the image of god and because god has created that person that way god has created us all in his own image love one another as i have loved you as christ has modeled for us as christ our lord has created us with the father and the spirit so we too are called 
to love one another. Verses 21 through 24. Moving on, Paul continues and says, Now the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. But on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are presentable, we are treated with, are, are treated with special modesty, that are unpresentable, are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So let's talk for just a moment about a couple of things that will clarify what Paul's saying here. First, the first one's pretty obvious and simple. In the body of Christ, we don't ever get to say, I don't need you, because we all need each other. But also where Paul gets into this conversation about those parts that are weaker and indispensable and less honorable and unpresentable and presentable, I think we can summarize it this way. In the body of Christ, we honor every part. We honor every part. We lift up those who are weaker. We protect those who are vulnerable. And we seek in every way to build each other up for the good of God's kingdom and for the good of one another. Every part of the body is treated with honor. Because God looks upon each and every one of us as his children. And each and every one of us are valuable. And each and every one of us have a role. We have a part to play. We honor one another in all things, no matter what comes our way. In the body of Christ, every part is needed to make up a fully functional and healthy body. If you lose that pinky toe, you're going to walk differently for the rest of your life. If just one of your organs is not functioning at full capacity, your whole body is affected. If infection or disease finds its way into even the smallest, most cellular level, the entire body suffers and can even shut down. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. And God has put the body together giving honor to every part because all of us are valuable and we all have a part to play. Verse 25, he did this, he arranged the parts of the body so that there should be no division in the body, no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. How we look out for each other, how we care for one another, that we constantly remind ourselves, it is not about me, but it is about us, and we are stronger together, each part of the body has equal concern for the other and if one part suffers verse 26 every part suffers with it and if one part is honored every part rejoices with it we learn as brothers and sisters in christ to weep with those who weep to rejoice with those who rejoice we do our very best to not let as we follow god's spirit things like jealousy and comparison and factions and disagreements and gossiping and slandering and all those things we talked about last week we do our best to not let those things bring division into our body because we are called to have equal concern 
for one another and to rejoice with each other when something good happens and to mourn and to grieve with each other when we face loss or when we struggle because we are the body of Christ and each one of us is a part of it and when one part suffers the whole body is affected in Ephesians chapter 4 Paul uses some very similar language to 1 Corinthians 12 but in the process he also starts naming some different offices and different roles in the church and specifically in, in Ephesians 4 Paul mentions some of the different roles of, uh, and groups of leaders that were found in, in, the, in the early church, in the church in Ephesus. He says Christ gave some to be apostles, and, and apostles, I believe, refers directly to the apostles that we read about in the New Testament. I would argue that that office is now closed, that only the first apostles who, who saw the resurrected Christ and were commissioned as apostles should we call apostles. But after the apostles... Paul continued, he said, there are also prophets, those who speak the truth. There are evangelists, those who are passionate and gifted about sharing the gospel. There are pastors, those who are, who are shepherd and who lead, and there are teachers. All together, Paul says, to equip the body of Christ to do the work that it's called to do. But if we read throughout the New Testament, there are lots of other roles that people play. You also find peacemakers and encouragers and servants and prayer warriors and many other roles that people serve in in the church that all as as individual parts come together as a part of the body and everyone has that role to play i have a request for you this morning as your pastor as i've been thinking about and praying about these passages and how we're going to talk about them on sunday mornings i want to deputize you each and every one of you who are members of this church to start using your gifts and to step actively into your role and to be a part of serving as God has called you to and commissioned you to in this church right now without hesitation. If you've been sitting on your hands, if you've been waiting to be asked, if you've been thinking somebody else is taking care of that, put that out of your mind, okay? I want to deputize you to step out and to join me in fighting, and listen, when I say fighting, I mean fighting in a spirit of love and obedience for our unity and for our health as a church family. I want to deputize those of you who are prayer warriors, and there are many of you in this room, to pray as fervently and regularly for your church family as you ever have before. Those of you who are peacemakers, now, we're all called to be peacemakers in the New Testament. But there are some of you who are just more gifted at that than others. You are a gifted peacemaker. I've shared with you before, in my home, it's my oldest son, Aiden. He is our most gifted peacemaker. And now he's moved off to college. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. We have other peacemakers, but he was the best. Some of you are gifted peacemakers. Step into the fray and be active in being a peacemaker in our church family some of your prophets if you're a prophet if you have that gift of speaking truth speak truth boldly now let it be the truth okay because prophets can speak boldly but sometimes they they might not be saying exactly what they should let it be the truth but speak truth boldly and with love if you're a shepherd lead care bring people along just as god has gifted you to do if you're a teacher, teach biblically and teach with courage. 
teach with all of your heart. If you're an encourager, as you're doing the work of encouraging, remind all of us what that looks like and how we too are called to be encouragers and how we can do that well one for another. If you're a servant, get in there and get your hands dirty, meeting needs. Get out there and serve just as God has called and equipped you to do. And if you are evangelist, an evangelist, if you have that passion and that gift for sharing the gospel, just like with these others, we're all called to be faithful in sharing our faith and sharing the gospel. But if you are particularly gifted in that area, challenge all of us to share our faith and hold us accountable that we would be faithful personally like you are to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those that God brings across our path. After we finish this series next week, we're going to move into a short series called Good News. And every single Sunday, the entire message is just going to be a gospel-focused message. It's going to be a great time to invite your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your family, whoever, you, whoever you'd like to invite to just hear a, a very clear presentation of the gospel. Members of our church will be sharing faith stories on those Sundays. It's going to be great. And it's going to be a reminder, and we need that reminder from our evangelists to challenge us that all of us are called to be actively, personally sharing our faith with others. I'm deputizing you not because I am the head of this church, but, but being called here as, as pastor, as a shepherd. Join me in this work. Put your gifts into practice. Step actively into your role, for you are the body of Christ, and each and every one of you is a part of it as we close this morning and move to our time of invitation don't lose don't lose focus for the next couple of minutes i want us to consider as we close this morning christ's body itself think for a moment about christ's physical body when he walked on the earth you may remember this story during his earthly ministry from luke chapter 7 when john the baptist sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one we're waiting for? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus said, go back and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. With his physical body on earth, Jesus' feet were made dirty and calloused as he walked through cities and towns and remote villages. His vocal cords proclaimed justice for the poor, the oppressed, and the captive. And eventually his hands, the hands of his physical body, bore the wounds that would be the sacrifice for our sins and for the sins of the world. Which is why when we take the Lord's Supper together, like we'll do next Sunday evening, we say we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again because he gave his physical body on the cross for us. But we also know that the grave could not hold Jesus after he died. And he defeated sin and death. And he rose on the third day. And as his body on the earth today, that's who we are. His physical body was here only for a while. But now, in this age, we are his body. We are the body of Christ on the earth. And we've been given the responsibility to proclaim that message of Christ's life and his death and his resurrection and that he is coming back again to get us because we are his bride we are his church we are the family of god we are 
the body of Christ, and every single one of us is a part of it. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you today for the many ways that you have equipped us to do the work that you've called us to do. That in your divine wisdom and will, you chose the church above anything else in creation to be your witnesses in this age. You chose us the ones, as the ones. You gave us the responsibility to proclaim the good news and to be a light to the world. Lord, I pray that we as a church here would be faithful to that call and that commission. And in that process that we would be faithful to each other. But Lord, we also just pray for the church around the world, our brothers and sisters in Christ, many of whom, most of whom have already worshipped today before us. We pray for them, Lord, that as one body, united in one faith and one baptism, given one spirit to drink, Lord, that we would be faithful with the commission that you've given to us. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here today who has never surrendered their life and confessed that you are the king of their heart, the Lord of their life, given their all to you, Lord, that today you would speak so clearly to their heart that they would, would come to you and surrender their lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen.